Shalom. I am Rabbi Michael Pont, and this is For the Love of Judaism. I have with me Mr. Dan Rosette of the Jewish Federation in the Heart of New Jersey. His portfolio deals with community relations and Israel affairs. Dan, today we're going to talk about anti-Semitism and its rise in our country, the United States, and around the world. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining me on the program today. Thank you, Rabbi. I'm glad to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Dan, give us a definition of anti-Semitism. What, what is it? So uh, when a question like that is asked, we refer to the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition or IRA definition, and it's defined as follows. Anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred toward Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestation of anti-Semitism are directed toward Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property towards Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. And I'll just go through like three examples because it's it's lengthy. For example, targeting the state of Israel is uh, conceived as a Jewish collectivity, uh, charging Jews with conspiring to harm humanity, blaming Jews for why things go wrong, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there are other examples. This definition is not legally binding, but it's an excellent guide for decision makers and why we, the Jewish community, are trying to get as many institutions, lawmakers, countries to adopt this uh, definition. Yeah. So the definition, it, it has been accepted by over 30 countries and dozens of organizations. Isn't that correct? Correct. Yes. And also uh, some law enforcement agencies that we are aware of. But there's still a lot more work to do in that regard. Um, but we ha- but there has been a lot of progress over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm glad that it's gaining traction to just, if nothing else, to raise awareness about the problem of anti-Semitism worldwide. There's a book that was written by a Holocaust scholar named Dr. Deborah Lipstadt called Anti-Semitism Here and Now. It just came out a couple of years ago. Dr. Lipstadt is really just a phenomenal professor and scholar of the Holocaust, um, and she's actually supposed to be confirmed as the official ambassador for anti-Semitism by the Biden administration. I hope it happens. Uh, I hope she'll be confirmed by the Senate. But anyway, in her book, she defines anti-Semitism in a, in a good way. She, she wrote, anti-Semitism is a delusional form of hatred. It conjures a malign image of the Jew that does not in fact exist, then proceeds to find it everywhere. And she makes her case in her book. uh, And I think that that's uh, also a powerful definition. I'm thrilled that the Biden administration wants to have someone who oversees and monitors anti-Semitism. I hope for her confirmation very soon. Me too. So, Dan, can you review for us statistics from organizations like the FBI and other other organizations on anti-Semitism in the United States, let's say, in 2021? So absolutely. So I refer to, like you said, organizations like the FBI, also the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, um, you know, New Jersey Prosecutor's Office, uh, et cetera. What we do know is that in the last decade, there has been a steady increase in anti-Semitism. And if this were a video presentation, you would see a graph that that just goes up, you know, starting from 2011 to today. That's something important to know. According to the FBI, 13 percent of all hate crimes in 2020 were motivated by religious bias. 
56% of those were against Jews or Jewish institutions. Now, when you think about it, Jews are what, less than 2% of the population or two, around 2% of the population. Over half of religiously motivated hate crimes were against Jews. Uh, and that's incredible, uh, if you think about it. Unbelievable. You know, Jews have been consistently the most targeted religious community uh, in the U.S., you know, anti-Semitic incidents are being reported at record levels. Jewish institutions have become vulnerable targets. Jews are regularly targeted because of their actual or perceived support of Israel and Zionism. Extremists and anti-Semites have been perpetuate deadly violence against Jews. In other words, the incidents have become more violent in the last 10 years. And Jews have been the target of at least 21 extremist plots or credible threats since 2016. So that's troubling. Um, just just a side note, the some of these statistics are still from 2020, and we're ra- we're waiting for updated reports to come out in the spring. That's just the way the cycle is with these reports. Um, but in 2020, in the United States, there were about 2,025 uh, anti-Semitic incidents nationwide, and 327 of those were against Jewish institutions, which was an increase from the previous year which was at 234. So we noticed the trend that not only are Jews themselves, individuals are being targeted, but the institutions are in addition uh, to everything else. One of those reasons, and this is also a very interesting statistic, over 5,000 cases of white supremacist propaganda uh, was recorded in 2020. So it all, it all connects. We know that propaganda leads to violence, um, and we see this in the national statistics. In New Jersey, and this is according to the state police, this is actually a new report that came out in the fall. Um, the state police recorded that 15% of bias incidents in 2021 were against Jews. And as a comparison, 39% were against Blacks. So New Jersey, again, was the second highest in the country, by the way, uh, as far as anti-Semitic incidents. So our little state is number two in the entire country. New York is number one. And then you have California and, and you know some of the other bigger states. But New Jersey is number two. So when you put all this together, you can you can understand the trend, the, the increase in, in anti-Semitism. Wow. So that's um, you could say that that's kind of a grim picture that anti-Semitism uh, has been rising, like you said, in the deck in the past decade. You know, the numbers just keep trending upward. Unfortunately, yes, absolutely. And I'm yeah. not I'm not expecting the numbers to go down in the new reports, uh, especially since uh, COVID restrictions ha- are relaxed. So people are going to get out more. More things are going to happen. Uh, it just goes together. Right. Right. And I was surprised. I went back 20 years, actually, uh, looking at reports from the FBI. And it seems that this has trend since the 90s. It's not new and it's rising. I mean, Dan, you're you're a student of all of these, you know, reports and statistics. You're an, uh, an aware observer. Why do you think this is happening? Why do you think the number of anti-Semitic incidents is rising so sharply in the United States? Let's just start with the hate has always been there, but social media comes into play. It's been said that social media is the number one propaganda machine. Uh, without getting into the whole, you know, uh, algorithm science and all that, but the algorithms that Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter and TikTok they all use causes a flow of information based on what you search for. So if you rabbi are, let's say you're not a rabbi and you're somebody who hates Jews and you go online and you start searching for anti-Jewish information, if you Google this stuff, Facebook picks it up. And you'll start getting this kind of information in your feed. 
So not a, it's not a play on words, but it's feeding your hate. So what yeah. you're seeing in your Facebook feed is feeding the hate, which is why you see a lot of lone wolf attacks, uh, people just reading this garbage uh, that they're getting online. Um, so that is probably the biggest reason why uh, we're seeing such an increase. Now, another thing to consider is that we've done a better job reporting. So if we remember when COVID started, right, we, we there was always talk about recording and the statistics, how many are sick and how many are tested. And same thing here. The more that we report anti-Semitic events, they're recorded um, and it goes down into the statistics you know, database. So we're seeing a lot more of that as well. And that, and that is a direct result of Jewish organizations encouraging people to go out and report if something happens to them. And as always, Rabbi, economic troubles, political climate, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, all that always, you know, comes back to us. So when COVID hit and people were suffering economically, first of all, they blamed Jews uh, for bringing COVID. We saw a return of, of that, that Middle Ages uh, type accusations. We were being blamed for this plague. And I use that word on purpose because that's the analogy, right? That's the Middle Ages uh, term. And, you know, when people are, are having tough time economically, they turn back and they start blaming Jews for whatever reason they've been using for the last 2000 years. So that hasn't changed. But I want to highlight something. I think lack of education is important to note. We have to do a better job educating our kids and, our, and adults uh, on the consequences of, of hate. They, we need to enhance Holocaust education, genocide education, talk about what hate can uh, bring upon a society. Right. And it, it is true what you said. First of all, social with social media, as great as it is to connect people worldwide, to you know give people access to information, it's definitely a double-edged sword because it does allow basically anyone can have like a, you know, a megaphone to disseminate whatever information that they want, whether it's false information, accurate information. It's, it's a problem. It's definitely a challenge. And uh, we've, we've opened up Pandora's box in this sense. Like, there's no going back. I, what I didn't even get into, and I won't, is the whole issue of the dark web. Uh, a lot of the hate and a lot of the illegal stuff takes place there. Uh, we can get into that, I guess, in another another time. But that's that's something to take into consideration. And one more thing, Rabbi, if I can mention, the Internet helps the haters talk to each other, regardless of distance. So you have neo-Nazi groups in Europe teaching neo-Nazi groups in the United States and vice versa, which is also a big contributor to to what we're seeing. Right. So you talked about education as one sort of weapon in our arsenal, if you will, to push back against against the hate. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we do need to educate. Do you have any any examples of like success stories in terms of good education to battle anti-Semitism? Well, I can give you a success story on the national level. Um, a couple of years ago, all the Jewish federations, including ours, were advocating for the Never Again Act to be passed, which was is now it's law, but it was a bill that would provide $10 million over five years to the U.S. Holocaust Museum to produce educational materials that would go out to public schools. Unfortunately, we haven't seen it happen yet, even though it's it's law, you know, bu government bureaucracy, et cetera, et cetera. So we're waiting for that to be implemented. So in the big picture, that's that's a huge success. Uh, and once it's implemented, it'll be up to us to make sure that schools are you know following these guidelines. 
uh, but that's down the road. Locally, you know, it's difficult. You know, one of the things I do as community relations manager at Jewish Federation is, is build interfaith relationships. And that's that to me is also part of education. We're talking to, to groups outside of our, our community. We're explaining to them what, what's happening as far as anti-Semitism and vice versa. And we're learning from them. For example, the Black community, uh, we're learning what their experience as well. And, and unfortunately, we found a common denominator. We are both hated by the same groups. But, you know, to get to that point where we where we can say, you know, let's work together against these groups, that took some time, um, both locally and nationally. Uh, so to me, that's even though it's not exactly education, but it's it's part of it. Literally, education, it's difficult, Rabbi. The public school system is difficult to get into as far as, you know, changing curriculum. You know, teachers are, are busy. Schools are understaffed. Even though there's a mandate in New Jersey to teach Holocaust education, there are no guidelines uh, as far as what is considered Holocaust education. So each school, each grade, each teacher can choose whatever he or she thinks is appropriate for, for the class. I'll give you a quick example. Um, my daughter's in East Brunswick High School. For some of the upper level grades, a two-week elective is considered uh, enough to check the box of Holocaust education. And you and I know that that's not even near enough time that needs to be spent on this subject. So that's just a small example. So there's a lot of work to be done there. Okay. But, you know, we're aware of what needs to be done. We just, it's, you know, it's a long, it's a long road. So we just got to keep going on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and if I can, one more thing, once, you know, hopefully now that, that COVID restrictions are, you know, going away, um, we can get back to what we uh, have done in the past, which is um, trips to the Holocaust Museum, uh, interfaith trips to the Holocaust Museum, I should say, law enforcement trips that we've sponsored to the Holocaust Museum, those kind of things, which which makes a huge impact. So we'll see what happens based on, you know, restrictions and, and all that. Right. Now, because of what's happening in Ukraine, um, this is not exactly about anti-Semitism, but I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity that I have you on the podcast. Federation is, you know, is a national and international organization and they are on they are on the ground helping the Jewish communities in Ukraine and the people of Ukraine generally. Uh, is that true? Can you describe some of those efforts? Sure. Jewish federations work with two partners, the, the Joint Distribution Committee, the JDC, and the Jewish Agency for Israel, uh, Jaffe. They are the ones that are actually on the ground, but they are very close partners of ours, of the federation system. And we are taking orders from them as far as what, what they need. So Obviously, money is always needed, and we're right now in the middle of an emergency campaign to hopefully raise nationally over $20 million to be distributed to the JDC, Jaffe, and also ORT. I didn't mention ORT. They are there on the ground in the Aliyah centers, in the refugee centers. They're trying to get as many Jews to Israel that want to go as possible. That's one of the main things, but medicine, blankets, you know, the usual things that we know refugees need. All of that is coming from these three organizations on the ground and being supported by the Jewish Federation system. So if I can plug it, uh, it's important, you know, go onto our website and, uh, you know, help out. It's helping out your brothers and sisters in Ukraine. There's a donate link. I, I will hope that a lot of us can contribute. Got it. Even when the war ends, this is going to be a crisis that's going to go on for months and months, really years to come. 
just the aftermath of the chaos and the war that's happening right now in that region. The campaign that you mentioned is going to have to keep going for, for a long time, I'm afraid. Absolutely. But I have to say the Jewish institution organizations, the Jewish federations and the three major international organizations, they are ready for this. You know, when you give to your federation's annual campaign, part of that goes to these organizations and helps them, you know, be prepared for for situations like this. So nothing caught anybody by surprise. Protocols and equipment and everything that was needed was in place thanks to the support of uh, Jewish Federation and, and others. Like you said, unfortunately, it'll continue the rebuilding process, but, you know, we have to wait until the dust settles to see exactly what the needs are. All right. Well, uh, Dan Rosette, I want to thank you so much for being on the program today for raising awareness about the scourge of anti-Semitism. And of course, anti-Semitism is just one form of hatred that we need to monitor in our country and worldwide. Prejudice, racism, you know, they're all from the same ilk. We need to be aware of, of all of these forms of hatred, uh, I'm afraid. But I just, I just again, want to thank you so much for being on the program today. My pleasure. Uh, we didn't really get into it, but I, I would just like to mention we have to change our mindset. We're not living in the same United States as Jews as we were 30, 40 years ago. We have to be aware uh, of our surroundings. We have to get into that. The same, the same kind of mindset we all were after 9-11. That's, that's, in my opinion, the type of mindset we have to be in now as far as uh, when it comes to our safety. And take advantage of Federation programs like Stop the Bleed and Active Shooter Trainings. Uh, that's important. We have them. We'll be putting them out the, on Zoom still, if necessary. I mean, these are skills that you can learn to save your life and others. Uh, so I just, I really wanted to mention that before we end, because uh, it's very, very important. We have these tools and Federation is putting it out there for the community to keep them safe. Amen. All right, again, Dan, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you very much. So everyone, that was Dan Rosette from the Jewish Federation in the heart of New Jersey. Uh, what an interesting conversation about the rise of anti-Semitism. It is an ongoing problem, uh, one that we cannot ignore. It is an ongoing challenge. You know, what's interesting is that anti-Semitism is, and this goes without saying for anyone who, anyone who's listening, I think, anti-Semitism is not new. This is a problem. You know, scapegoating Jews is a problem that's existed since almost the beginning of the Jewish people, going all the way back to the time of Pharaoh. The Jewish holiday Purim is coming up in the next few days. And the enemy of the Purim story is Haman, who goes to, in the story, goes to the king of a very large kingdom, King Ahasuerosh is his name. He decides that he doesn't like Jews because one Jewish person in particular, Mordechai, refused to bow down to him. So just from that one slight, Haman goes to King Ahasuerosh and he says the following. He says, there is one people dispersed and distinct among the peoples in all of the provinces of your kingdom. Now their laws are different from those of any other people and the laws of the king they do not obey. It is therefore not worth the king's while to tolerate them. And based on that, because he says Jews are different from everyone else and Jews don't follow the laws of the land, therefore the king should just not tolerate them. And what Haman means is that the king should allow Haman to destroy them, to wipe them out, to commit genocide. And that's almost, almost what happens in the story of Perm 
uh, if it weren't for the bravery of of Queen Esther, we might have been destroyed in the kingdom of Shushan. But those canards have been hurled against Jews for thousands of years that, you know, we're different and we don't like to mix with everybody else and that we don't follow the laws of the land, that we're not good citizens. And these things are absolutely untrue. Jews have been great citizens wherever they've lived. They contributed in uncountable ways and in incredible ways. So these lies and biases, prejudices have been around uh, about Jews for thousands of years. And this is, you know, this is anti-Semitism. And those same biases and hatreds uh, still exist today. As Dan mentioned, there was even chatter on, you know, online on some websites coming from some people uh, that Jews were responsible for COVID, for spreading the virus. And that's just, that's just insane. But there is this hatred out there. And as as Dan said, we need to battle it. And Dan mentioned something that was really important that I want to emphasize. And he said this when we finished the recording. He feels strongly that we are not victims. We have the resources, you know, to battle anti-Semitism, to fight against this hatred. Our institutions and organizations have resources to help us. And we should marshal all of that power, all of that energy to educate people about the dangers of anti-Semitism and to protect ourselves and to battle it ourselves. I can tell you at uh, my synagogue, the Marlboro Jewish Center, I'm grateful to our executive director, Dara Winston, who has, through her efforts, has received for us, has, has earned for us uh, three grants, three security grants from federal and state government so that we've been able to significantly up our security. We've replaced our windows. We have installed bollards by our entrances. We have upgraded our security systems, our cameras. And these are just a few examples. And we have a security guard for every worship service and for all major events. These are just a few of the things that we've done to protect our buildings and, and protect ourselves from a possible attack. Dan mentioned what's called craze training, preparing for an active shooter event. We have hosted two training in recent years. One we just had last month. You know, we, I mean, I'm proud that we're doing what we need to do to protect ourselves. We have to continue the process of education of our own people, the Jewish people, and everyone about the dangers of anti-Semitism. We always have hope. We're always optimistic as Jews. We have challenges, we have problems, but we can face them. Everyone, thank you so much for listening and peace out. Peace out.